Before we get into today's episode, I just wanna let you know that the limited edition Pyramid Plushie with teacup is ending this week. So this is your last chance if you wanna get one before they are gone forever. You can click the link in the description box or you can go over to makeship.com, go to live campaigns and look for the Pyramid Plush. Make sure to snag one before it's gone because these are not coming back once this runs out. The Fire Festival. When you hear those words, you might evoke an eye roll or a laugh. Maybe you remember hearing the joke that white people love camping unless it's a surprise or the articles with headlines reading, I don't feel bad for the privileged. However, the Fire Festival was so much more than an influencer party that didn't meet expectations. Hardworking Bahamians lost hundreds of thousands of dollars attempting to build this festival and feed attendees. Partygoers were placed in a Hunger Games style dangerous situation while stranded on an island. And a fire festival employee even claims he was asked to give a sexual favor to a customs official. Today, we're going to examine what really happened behind the scenes of the fire festival and what doomed it to fail from the start. Hello everyone, and welcome to Multi-Level Mondays. I'm the Illuminati, and today we're going to talk about the massive scam that was the fire festival. On paper, this idea seemed bound to succeed, an influencer-filled weekend in the Bahamas. Tickets were sold out, investors were paying millions. So why didn't it work? Well, let's get into those nitty gritty details today and see what really happened behind the scenes of this disaster. Nightmare in paradise. There was no music. They were put into disaster relief tents. People started to have breakdowns. People started to have panic attacks. No idea what they were doing. It was also a health concern that there were people literally trapped on an island. It was a shit show. Just chaos and anarchy. Now, if you know anything about Fire Festival, you've probably heard of the founder and CEO of Fire Media, Billy McFarland. Though we don't talk about his history for too long as our main focus today is the festival, I want to give you just a bit of context about who he is. According to Billy himself, his first company, a web hosting company, was started when he was in the fifth grade. He had three full-time people working for him in India and had the worst fake deep voice on the planet. A while later, after dropping out of Bucknell University, he created a company called Spling, which gave off a Google Plus sort of vibe. Things were really rough for Spling, but in 2012, they moved to New York City. Billy claimed that moving had always been the plan and he intended on launching a beautiful new version of the product. Instead, he created an entirely separate product, the Magnesis. This was a millennial version of the American Express card. For $250 per year, Magnesis was supposed to mean that cardholders had access to celebrity events, a concierge service to get difficult concert tickets and restaurant reservations, and access to a townhouse in Manhattan's West Village. The townhouse was a co-working space by day and a fancy frat house at night. This was a ticket into the wealthy young elite, basically. One of the people Billy met during this time was Jeffrey Atkins, also known as rapper Ja Rule, when Billy was booking him for a show. Jarul soon joined Magnesis in a creative role. One of his representatives had clarified that this particular role wasn't operational in nature. Billy McFarland hyped up the card as best as he could, throwing parties and fashion shows, but behind the scenes, the card was not as successful as these illusions made it out to be. In 2014, Billy said the card had 1,200 members. In September, 2016, he told the press he had 30,000 card holders. And then two months later, he claimed it was 100,000. All the while, things were starting to take a downward turn. The landlord of the Magnesis townhouse filed a $100,000 lawsuit, alleging that McFarland used a residential space to conduct commercial business and that he'd trashed the place. The case was settled in January, 2016, but more complaints still followed. Members complained about broken promises and how their ticket orders were unfulfilled. 
The eventual Securities and Exchange Commission complaint against Billy alleges that there was never more than four to 5,000 members. At best, the card had good intentions, but it was in over its head and couldn't deliver on any of its promises. At worst, they were just plain and simple fraud. Billy McFarland wasn't done trying to create a successful business though. Grant Margdalen, the vice president of marketing and branding for Magnesis and rapper Ja Rule were ready to work for him on a new project. Grant for reference has been called Billy's Dwight as in Dwight from the office. While Grant was seemingly Billy's ultimate yes man, Ja Rule as a musician and rapper had influence within the music industry itself. Together, they were poised to create Fire Media and subsequently the app Fire, which meant to revolutionize how the industry worked. Fire was intended to be like a Tinder for musicians, allowing people to book artists for events and match up clients and musicians with ease. Those that worked on the app said that it had the potential to be a billion dollar platform. They just needed a way to promote it. Hence, the Fire Festival was born. The festival was allegedly going to take place on notorious criminal Pablo Escobar's former island. And this isn't actually true, though that island was close by and promotional materials were shot by the company Jerry Media. The supermodels featured in the promos were incredibly influential and the entire shoot was said to be more of a party atmosphere. Bella Hadid, Emily Ratajkowski, Elsa Hosk, Lice Ribeiro, and Haley Baldwin, now Haley Bieber, all made the Fire Festival possible. To gain people's attention while scrolling through their Instagram feed, Billy paid models and influencers to post a photo of an orange square with the festival information on it, and it worked. Once these photos and videos were posted, people ate them up. This festival was sure to be a hit and define a generation in the way that Woodstock had. Billy and Fire Festival had people's attention. Now they needed to do the hard part, putting the festival together. The promotional material was shot in December, 2016, and Kendall Jenner made a post promoting Fire Festival in January, 2017. Jarul and Billy made a toast to quote, living like movie stars, partying like rock stars and fucking like porn stars, end quote. Isn't that a lyric from a Pitbull song? Am I, I've been on a Pitbull kick recently. Is that not, that, that is from a Pitbull song, I think. Maybe it's not, maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, they were selling a vision and not a cheap one either. Some of these tickets cost $1,500 while others were up to a quarter of a million dollars for the weekend. Billy and Jarul sold an incredible amount of tickets, reportedly between six to 7,000 people intended on coming and it would take place in late April, 2017. However, if you're paying any attention to those dates, you probably already know that something is very wrong. This leaves Billy and his team only four months to set up this entire festival. To say they were unprepared and scrambling would be an understatement. Samuel Cross, a former Fire Media employee, said that he was 22 or 23 at the time, and despite never having booked talent before, he was asked to hire the artists that would play the festival. He was able to grossly overpay artists and book them for the weekend. However, keep in mind that these musicians have sound, lighting, and stage expectations for their shows too. Once again, these things can take a lot of time and money to prepare for, but according to one of the technical production workers, those behind Fire Festival only began planning their stage setup 45 days before the festival was due to begin. In addition, the owner of the island they were shooting kicked Billy off. The owner wanted a new reputation for the island, free of drug trafficking. So they saw social media posts touting Fire Festival as taking place on Pablo Escobar's island. Billy was forced to find a different island entirely. The location for the festival eventually became the Great Exuma, the largest of the caves in the Bahamas. However, rather than a bright sandy beach as advertised, the area that the fire team booked was a potentially hazardous housing development. Few outsiders suspected anything was wrong at this point, but there were a few outliers. One man, Calvin Wells, worked with the agents of these well-known musicians and heard that these bands had been promised money that wasn't being delivered. He began digging a bit deeper into Fire Festival and Calvin discovered the festival location. 
It was no isolated island, but an underdeveloped lot just north of a sandals resort. And in Fire's promotional material, they were Photoshopping out the rest of the island to make it appear as if Fire K was a deserted island dedicated to the event. Wells created the Twitter account Fire Fraud months before the festival in an attempt to warn people, but struggled to gain any traction on his posts. Calvin claims he then went to the Bahamas for himself to see what was going on and discovered that the luxury festival tents were nothing more than leftover emergency relief tents from Hurricane Matthew. Not only were the tents far from what was promised, but they couldn't deliver on the number of villas promised either. To add to the growing number of issues, McFarland had booked the fire festival the same weekend that the National Regatta takes place in Bermuda. This boating event is massive, bigger than the Super Bowl. The island population doubles and villas and hotels are booked for months in advance. So as you can imagine for McFarland and his team, trying to find villas for hundreds of people during the exact same weekend just wasn't gonna happen. As one of his former employees puts it, they were selling villas that just didn't exist. McFarland was trying to build a city within a city. They needed running water, waste disposal, plumbing, electricity, and shelter for thousands of people within mere months. According to Marianne Roll, a local that owns an Exuma Point restaurant, they had every living soul on the island of Exuma who could lift a towel working. A former fire employee estimated there were 200 workers and Marianne, as the restaurant owner, was in charge of feeding them. Cash flow was also becoming an issue for those on the app development side of things, with one employee claiming their favorite Friday topic was consistently, did you get paid and was it the right amount? Between all of these compounding problems, those around Billy tried to warn him and tell him that the event needed to be canceled. One of these people was Keith Vanderland, a pilot in charge of flying Billy around the Bahamas. According to Keith, Billy's team really wanted to do tents. So what I did is I took my wife and we tried to sleep in a tent for one night and it was so terrible. You know, this tent is just not going to be safe and it's so loud, so many mosquitoes. To do these tents without air conditioning is pretty brutal. So I strongly recommend it against the tents. Billy at some point told me, listen, you need to step back. I know we're going to go with different people. Thanks for your help so far. I wasn't the only one that was changed out in February, March. Just to recap what we have so far, Billy and his team shot promotional material in a location they no longer had access to. The location they did have was an underdeveloped lot of land north of a sandals resort without proper plumbing, electricity, or running water. They hired hundreds of local workers to build for the festival around the clock. Some say they slept three hours on average. The musicians had not been paid and Billy let go of people that had concerns. So what more could go wrong? Well, the answer is obviously a lot more and we will begin to unravel what happened at the fire Festival right after this ad break. We all know the pain and the horror of dealing with endless fine print contracts from wireless providers. So many charges, so many mystery fees. So when you hear that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month, it kind of sounds like there's a catch, right? And I mean, well, there has to be something hidden, right? But it's no joke, there's really no catch here. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell online only and just cut out brick and mortar stores. So less overhead for them means more savings for you. I've had them for over a year now as a wireless provider. And I have got to say, I don't have, you know, texts that don't go through, dropped calls, like any of that. It always connects to Wi-Fi. Like the phone I have is fantastic. Like it's really easy to use. Like I'm actually surprised I didn't do it sooner. So if you wanna cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month, make sure you go to mintmobile.com slash MLM. That's mintmobile.com slash MLM. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash MLM. 
So you eat clean and that's great, but are you cleaning clean? Because this is bonkers and we might be eating a credit card's worth of plastic each week thanks to tons and tons of single use plastic that we throw out. And yeah, these things called plastic microfibers are in our water supply, FYI. But Blueland is trying to fix that. They believe having a cleaner planet starts at home. It's a simple idea. Buy the bottle once, refill it forever. No more plastic waste from cleaning supplies. Just fill Blueland's beautiful bottles with warm water, pop in a hand soap or a spray cleaner tablet, and just a couple minutes later, boom, you've got powerful cleaning products. So Blueland actually sent me their entire starter kit. It's on their website. And I have got to tell you, I love all the scents, but they have this lemony fresh cleaner scent. I am in love. And the bottles, they coordinate with the scents and they have everything is labeled. So it's super great for me who likes to be hyper-organized. And they even have stuff for your dishwasher, dish soap, and even for your laundry. It's fantastic. And the laundry, by the way, is scent free. That's just something that's important to me because I have sensitive skin. But for all of you that may have sensitive skin or might get irritated by detergents, theirs is scent free, which is amazing. Right now, you can get 15% off your first order when you go to blueland.com slash MLM. That's 15% off your first order of any products of Blueland orders at blueland.com slash MLM, blueland.com slash MLM. The website firek.com was set up to warn people about the fire festival and it featured photos from the fire festival site itself. Photos of Bahamians setting up the hurricane tents littered the website and news from senior meetings was leaked to the public. Needless to say, Billy was not happy when he saw this. According to Mark Weinstein, a festival consultant, they all had a meeting which was in essence a witch hunt meeting. The team was told that if it was discovered that any one of them was releasing information to Fire K, that that person would be fired and legal action would be taken against them. Former employees claimed that the owner of the Fire K site was extorting Billy. They refused to take the website down unless Billy and the Fire Festival team released genuine photos of the campsite to their followers. A senior member of the team, event manager Andy King, told Billy that, quote, we need to get the messaging out now that this is not a luxury music festival. People aren't staying on yachts, at least most of them aren't. Many of them aren't staying in villas. And if you can't get that messaging out now, we will be able to manage expectations, end quote. But Billy refused. He told members of the team that if they wanted to leave, then they could leave. Otherwise, they were trying to find solutions. The trouble is, it was too late for solutions. The team needed more time and money that they simply did not have. At one point, the desperation to get things done became not only alarming, but disturbing. According to Andy King, they had four 18-wheeler trucks filled with Evian water and customs demanded $175,000 from Billy in order for the water to be released. Billy called Andy and told him that since Andy was a gay man, he needed Andy to go to customs and quote, suck Cunningham's dick, end quote, to get the water released. Andy claims that he was fully prepared to do this and save the festival, but Cunningham, the head of customs, told him that he'd release the water so long as he was the first one to be paid when the event ended. In some attempt to try and get more money from the people that were already unknowingly being taken advantage of, emails were sent from the fire festival team to the attendees. One such email read, I noticed you hadn't created your Firebrand account yet. It is your wallet for the weekend, so load it appropriately. The majority of our guests have added $3,000 for the weekend, but if you want to reserve tables or take part in add-on experiences, you will want to put on much more. This RFID bracelet hadn't been tested. It wasn't feasible with connection issues on the island, nor was it meant to make the Fire Festival a cashless experience. Its sole purpose was to get more money into Billy and his team's pockets because they were running low. Some attendees say they were called and told rather aggressively to put money on the bands after already having spent thousands on a ticket. 
Still, many bought into this and the first rounds of attendees uploaded $800,000 to them. Not that this money went to housing as the houses that they were sourced weren't getting paid either. Nor did it go to catering apparently since they only paid $1 million of a $6 million contract to Star Catering and Billy fired them over the phone two weeks before the event. Andy was able to save them from this disaster as well, but the question became, was the festival worth saving at all? Naturally, attendees started to grow worried as the event got closer. More and more people reached out to Fire Festival, whether through emails or Instagram DMs and comments, trying to get flight information and see photos of their accommodations. All of these were reasonable requests, but Fire Festival took to deleting comments or ignoring emails instead. Consultant Mark Weinstein again tried to warn Billy and sent an email that roughly read, I've tried to warn you multiple times, but my words have fallen on deaf ears. We are one day out without enough beds to safely house our staff, our VIP guests, and our paid customers. You need to cancel more guests immediately. I know that you're worried about a press blowback, but imagine a scenario where 350 people arrive to a remote island, are herded onto yellow school buses, drop to the festival site that's unfinished, and realize they have no place to sleep. And to make it worse, they have no way to go home because we don't have any charter flights booked back for them. There's no worse situation than that. Mark did get an email in return that read, at least they'll see your smiling face and yoga skills, as Mark was going to be a yoga instructor for the event. The festival was on. Despite all the warnings, the site being unfinished and a massive rainstorm soaking the mattresses and destroying much of the site the night before the event, Billy refused to call it off. Andy claimed that he tried to see the positive side and thought of Woodstock. Many people don't talk about the trapped cars, the mudslides, how many people died of drug overdoses, the lack of food and water. So therefore, Fire Festival could be like the next Woodstock and potentially be looked on in a positive light. As we know now, that obviously was not meant to be. On the day of the festival, Blink-182 canceled the show because as they posted to Twitter, they believed they couldn't give their fans a quality performance. As they didn't scream, don't go, it's going to be a disaster, attendees weren't alarmed. Though the plane wasn't the quality jet they were promised, things seemed fine upon their arrival. Guests were given a choice if they wanted to go to the campsite or a restaurant, with many choosing the restaurant. This was the same location owned by Marianne Roll, who later states that nothing was ever planned. She only knew hundreds of attendees were arriving 25 minutes before they showed up. However, for the guests that went to the campsites instead of drinking and dancing at the bar, they saw that the mattresses were soaked and there was mud everywhere. To say this festival was a disappointment does not begin to even explain the gravity of the situation. Those on this island didn't know where they were, where they were headed. They had no direction whatsoever. Finding a tent and finding luggage became a free-for-all. One attendee claims that he didn't want neighbors. They wanted to be isolated from the sea of people. So his friends started pissing on the beds and poking holes in tents around them. Another states that there was a looting mentality and one woman had a whole pallet of toilet paper. Someone else had an entire box of pillows and it became barbaric. Later in a documentary around the event, Billy himself claims that they had rented 250 houses and they had receipts and photographs for each one. However, the reason guests couldn't access them is because they had a box of keys to the homes that went missing. And personally, I don't believe the statement about a box of keys that magically goes missing, especially considering that no former employees have ever verified this, but... Make of it what you will. A writer for Vogue, Amanda Brooks, later wrote an article about her personal experience entitled, I went to Fire Festival and all I got was this third degree sunburn. She claims that she split an eight person glamping tent with friends for $500 per person. The plane to the festival felt like a party bus, but Amanda said she had a fantastic time at the bar and on the island itself. It wasn't until later that night when Amanda was told tents hadn't been assigned that things started to fall apart. She and her friends slept on wet mattresses while some of the wealthier guests were able to get private planes or yachts out of there. 
Soon, the tweets about Fire Festival started going viral. People's photos of their luxury lunches, the concierge stand, and the lockers that didn't have locks on them were blowing up. Memes about Fire Festival went viral, and Grant, Billy's Dwight, asked their social media team, Jerry Media, to do some damage control. Jerry Media told Grant that they couldn't actually save this, and within minutes, Grant hired a new social media team. Even when it was canceled, things didn't get easier. Guests couldn't get off the island right away and instead were held overnight without food and water. Apparently for one flight, the pilot's headcount didn't match up with the manifest. There were 111 names, but 112 people on the flight. Everyone had to get off the plane, but then the flight crew had to be changed out. The doors to the waiting room were locked, trapping the people there before the flight could finally depart. In addition, Bahamian workers owed money for their labor went on strike when they realized they weren't going to get paid. A former Fire Festival employee said that some of these Bahamian workers started putting hits out on people, either to take them hostage and get a ransom or to hurt and injure. And he claims that he changed clothes with an employee and hid in the back of a car to get to safety, later suffering from PTSD symptoms because of it. Those that worked on the app were devastated because they truly believed in the product and brand, but the festival had completely ruined them. Ja Rule insisted that no one got hurt, therefore they could bounce back and move on. When confronted over a team call with the fact that Fire had committed fraud, he said this was just a case of false advertising. Unfortunately for Fire Media, those that attended didn't see it that way and neither did their lawyers. On May 1st, 2017, a $100 million class action lawsuit was filed against Fire Festival. Not only this, but a second separate lawsuit was filed against the influencers for promoting said festival without disclosing that they were profiting from these posts. The lawsuit against Fire Festival itself lists all the things we've discussed thus far, like how underprepared Billy was for the festival, and it reveals a lot about these troubling moments too. Apparently, Billy and Jarul actually personally reached out to performers and celebrities and warned them not to attend, acknowledging that the festival was going to be under-equipped and potentially dangerous. So the argument here can't be made that either of them were not aware what a mess this was going to turn into. The pair had the foresight to warn musicians to stay away, but not their paying customers. Plus, because Fire Festival made this a cashless event, insisting that many attendees get wristbands, people were in even more danger. They couldn't ride in local buses or taxis, which only take cash, and were forced to depend on Fire Festival for transportation. Plus, while waiting for a plane home, locked inside the airport without food or water all night, one attendee suffered a medical emergency and lost consciousness. So much for Jarul's comment about how no one got hurt. About a week or two after the festival finished, Billy called for an all hands on deck meeting with his employees to tell them that no one would be fired, but that no one would be getting paid either. Refusing to lay them off meant that these employees could not file for unemployment and were essentially forced to quit. Multiple members of the team spoke to the FBI as investigations began and the full extent of Billy's fraud began to emerge. Yes, he'd lied to customers and put their safety at risk, but he defrauded investors too. He created fake invoices saying that musicians had been paid for millions of dollars when in reality, about $57,000 had been paid. He also claimed that he owned over $2 million in Facebook shares when in actuality, he had about $1,000 worth. When one investor saw all these numbers, they were willing to put $800,000 on the line without any knowledge that the documents were faked. Still, Billy was not done with the Bahamas. He wanted to do a recovery documentary according to one of his videographer friends and return to the Bahamas to get their merchandise. Since they hadn't paid their customs duties, all their merchandise had been seized. Rather than pay the duties, Billy allegedly intended on robbing customs themselves. The Bahamas were done with Billy and they banned him from conducting business there whatsoever. There could never be a fire festival in the Bahamas again. So what about the States? Well, a month after the event, Billy met with Ja Rule to try and plan Fire Festival 2018, but the FBI was having none of that. 
In July, 2017, Billy was arrested for a scheme to defraud investors by misrepresenting financial information about Fire Media. June H. Kim, the acting United States attorney for the Southern District of New York said in a statement, McFarland allegedly presented fake documents to induce investors to put over a million dollars into his company and the fiasco called the Fire Festival. Billy was released on bail and strangely seemed to be living the high life with his girlfriend. Yet once again, he wasn't spending his own hard-earned money to do this. Back in December, 2017, many Fire Festival attendees received an email from Frank Tribble entitled New York City VIP Access. The email offered tickets to the Met Gala to Victoria's Secret Fashion Shows and similar exclusive events. Frank Tribble may have been the name and phone number behind the operation so that no one would recognize Billy's voice, but Billy fed Frank a script to read. He was scamming people yet again. Everything in these email scams was easily debunked as you can't buy tickets to some of these events to begin with. Still, he allegedly made off with over six figures from the fraudulent tickets. Even more charges were brought against Billy, this time for lying to a federal enforcement officer, wire fraud and money laundering. In July, 2018, when Billy was caught, the Department of Justice released an article that read in part, Manhattan US attorney, Jeffrey S. Berman said, William Billy McFarland, CEO of Fire Media, previously pled guilty to defrauding investors of Fire Media and the infamous Fire Festival and a ticket vendor of over $26 million. While that fraud case was pending, McFarland engaged in yet another scam purporting to sell tickets through a company called New York City VIP access to exclusive events. These customers later learned that the tickets didn't exist and that this was another fraud in McFarland's disturbing pattern of deception. McFarland's fraudulent schemes cost real people real money, and now he faces real time in federal prison for his crimes. About a month later, Mark Weinstein, the yoga instructor whose concerns were dismissed, released a Medium article detailing his thoughts and experiences about the festival too. He wrote that in a way, the fire founders like Billy were doing what many people do, creating images on social media that don't wholly reflect reality. Fire Festival was an Instagram festival or that idea of an accuracy taken to the extreme. Mark recognized that throughout his time working in the Bahamas, his account was full of pictures of crystal clear waters, beach patios, and sunsets, even though it was one of the most stressful times of his life and largely spent in front of a computer. Of course, the important distinction to make here is that Mark wasn't trying to sell anything, let alone for thousands of dollars at the blatant disregard for the safety of his potential customers. In total, McFarland forfeited about $26.2 million and a few months later was sentenced to six years in prison. Apparently it hasn't been treating him well either as McFarland has been placed in solitary confinement for making a podcast about his crimes called Dumpster Fire. McFarland's claimed that he's taken a long, hard look at himself and the people he's hurt in prison, though articles covering the topic seem skeptical about how genuine this apology is, to put it mildly. Meanwhile, those who've been trying to recoup their losses are struggling. While it looked like ticket holders would receive a $7,000 refund, bankruptcy trustee Gregory Messer has only been able to recover $283 each. Models had to pay back some of the money they received for advertisements. Kendall Jenner paid back 90 of the $275,000 she received, for example but the people that bought tickets have mostly had to chalk this up as a loss. Two of Billy's employees claim that they're now liable for the debt on American Express cards that Billy racked up from the festival. One of the Fire app's credit cards owed over half a million dollars because Billy was also paying for Magnesis tickets on it. And while Billy paid much of it off, Amex is now suing one of Billy's employees for the remaining balance, $250,000. Those that suffered in the Bahamas lost thousands upon thousands too. Marianne Roll claims she's owed $134,000 from organizers and Ian Nicholson, Carpenter, is still owed payments for the many 18 hour days he worked for the Fire Festival. Thankfully, donors to GoFundMe were able to raise $238,000. So there has been help in that regard. 
As for other consequences, Jarul has taken no responsibility whatsoever for his part in Fire Media. He has instead launched a new talent booking platform called Icon. Grant Margolin paid a $35,000 penalty and agreed to a seven-year director and officer bar, but didn't admit to or deny any SEC charges. Ja Rule seems to have moved on from the entire thing without a scratch somehow, and he even sold a $122,000 Fire Festival NFT in March, 2021. He's also become part owner of Flipkick, a website devoted to selling NFTs, just a few short weeks after learning what NFTs were. All these models, like in the Bahamas. The most insane festival the world has ever seen. Island getaway turned disaster. It became very barbaric. Right now, we are the fucking laughing Exclusivity with access to premier talent. It was gonna be an experience bordering on impossible. What's the worst thing that could possibly happen? It's a great time to be a con man in America. Whatever it takes, we are all in, and let's go and make this happen. And of course, before I close out today's episode, I have to at least mention the controversy with the documentaries. I used both the Hulu and Netflix documentaries as sources for this episode, as well as various articles. Each documentary has its own merit, but each has its own massive downside. For Hulu, they paid Billy McFarlane for an interview. The exact amount hasn't been disclosed, but even if it were a single cent, it's disgusting to give him anything after what he's done. And as for the Netflix documentary, they were made in part by none other than Jerry Media, the same exact company that Billy hired to shoot the promotional material for Fire Festival. In the documentary itself, employees and the CEO of Jerry Media claimed that they weren't aware of the behind the scenes chaos at Fire Festival, but it's a conflict of interest to have employees of Jerry Media both be the subject and producers of a documentary. Netflix doesn't actively hide this. You can see the CEO of Jerry Media's name in their opening credits and Jerry Media listed as a producer at the end credits. But this questionable relationship isn't disclosed within the documentary itself. So many may not know this without looking for it. Still, if you want to hear more about this case, either one tells an interesting story and hammers the point home that this was no failed party, but a genuinely dangerous situation to be placed in. And so with that being said, that's where we're going to end this week's episode of Multi-Level Mondays. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something new. And if you did, make sure you're liking, following, and subscribing so that you can stay up to date on all the latest episodes. And if you want to connect with me outside of these episodes, make sure you click my Linktree link in the description box. It's got my social media all very nicely organized from my Twitter, Instagram, wherever I'm streaming, projects I'm involved in, other companies like the candle shop that I'm doing, it's all there. So I want to thank you for spending some of your time here with me today. I really appreciate it. And I'll see you in the next one. Bye.